And then there were two. The Big East Championship game. Tonight. At the world's most famous arena. And who would have guessed. Back in November when the season started. I think a lot of us expected Creighton to be on this stage as they are. But certainly not the Georgetown Hoyas. Who were picked to finish dead last in the conference to start the season. And they also are making history. Becoming the first team to finish dead last in the preseason poll. To make the Big East Championship game. Will Creighton win their first ever Big East Tournament title? Or will Georgetown win their 8th all-time and steal an NCAA Tournament bid in the process by snagging the Big East automatic bid? I'll have my prediction for that. And coverage of last night's semifinals here on this brand new episode of the Igloo, continuing on with the March Marathon, Day 7, completing this full week. Man, last night's semifinals, it was right down to the wire in both games. Uh, Our first game, Georgetown and Seton Hall, a classic Big East rivalry. Georgetown came out and hit Seton Hall right in the mouth. They went up double digits early in the first half, but Seton Hall, they responded. They got it down to two at the break, and it was neck and neck for most of the second half. And with the score at 57-55, Mamu going for a dunk, lost the ball on the way up towards the rim, letting it go uh, after making contact with Kudus Wahab, whose heel was on the restricted area arc. Refs called the block, the ball dropped in, and won at 57 apiece, but the theme of this game, missed free throws hurting the hall. Mamu missed that free throw, and on the other end, Chudier Belay got a three-point play to get Aiko Biagu fouled out of the game. Makes the free throw to go up 60-57, and Seton Hall just would not recover uh, from that point on. Georgetown closes the game on a 9-1 run, and just like that, the Hoyas are on to the Big East Championship game for the first time since 2010. And the first team to win three consecutive games and make the Big East Championship game since UConn and Cardiac Kemba back in 2011. And for Georgetown, Jamorco Pickett, the senior, led the way. They also shot the ball really well from three. 50% they shot in this game. 43.8% from the floor, and it was Pickett who went 5 for 11, 2 for 2 from three, with 19 points and 6 boards that led the way, and he also played tremendous defense on Mamu. We'll talk about his stat line in a bit. Dante Harris proving that he deserved to be the starting point guard as a freshman. 15 points, 2 for 2 from distance, 5 for 6 from the floor. And then not a great game from Chudier Belay, just 9 points, 6 boards. 3 for 7 from the floor, 1 for 2 from 3. Kudus Wahab didn't have a great night either. 3 for 9 from the floor. 10 points, 8 rebounds, and he went just 4 of 9 from 3. So, Thursday the Hoyas were 23 for 23 from the line. In this game, they were just 18 for 25. And some of Georgetown's missed free throws was what kept Seton Hall in the game. Uh, Javon Blair, a quiet night off the bench, 31 minutes, 9 points, but he did make some timely shots. 
uh, for the Hoyas. I mean, that's what seniors are supposed to do. And then Timothy Egohefe got a rebound and a putback in the first half. As for Seton Hall, Jared Roden played a brilliant game. He was the only Pirate in double figures. 9 for 18 from the floor, 2 for 6 from 3, 22 points on the game. But he was just 2 for 4 from the free throw line. And missed free throws killed Seton Hall in this game. 5 for 11 from the free throw line. That's under 50%. And Seton Hall, in a year where free throw shooting seemed to be their forte in one of their strong suits, their season ends because of missed free throws. Uh, if you look at some of the other guys, Ike Obiagu went 2 for 2. But Shavar Reynolds, who was an 85% free throw shooter, went 0 for 2. And Mamu went just 1 for 3. And they did not shoot well from the floor. 38.7% from the field, just 27.8% from three. Mamu struggled in this game, but again, credit Jamarco Pickett in the defense he played on him, forcing him to just three for 16 from the floor, one of five from three, eight points, 10 rebounds, five assists. Aiko Biagu had about foul trouble. 29 minutes. Excuse me, you know, yesterday was a long night. Let me put it that way. Six points, seven boards, and he did foul out only one block shot, which is a far cry from the nine he got in Newark back in late December. Miles Kale only had three points on a three, I believe, in the second half. Shavar Reynolds with just eight points, four for eight from the floor, but he went 0 for 2 from three, four boards, a couple of assists. Carl Molson played a solid game. He got a lot of rebounds. Five points, six boards for the 6-5 transfer from Canisius. Two for five from the floor. And he knocked down his first three of the season in this game. A wide open corner three that he swished through. And honestly, as a Seton Hall guy, you thought, okay, if Tacal Molson hits a three, this has to be our night. But it, it just wasn't. Uh, and But something I do question, uh, Tyree Samuel played really well in the first half. Six points, three for four from the floor in only ten minutes. But he did not play the entire second half. So, obviously, I'm scratching my head at the fact that Tyrese uh, didn't play the second half. I really feel like he could have given this team a boost and given Seton Hall some size uh, with Ike battling foul trouble. He could have given Ike some, uh, some rest uh, to make sure that he could finish the game and, you know, credit Ike for battling throughout most of the second half uh, without picking up a fourth foul. And then, honestly, once he picked up that fourth foul, kind of shocked Tyrese didn't make his way into the game to give Ike some rest and some time to avoid picking up that fifth foul. But obviously that fifth foul was picked up in the final two minutes. And, you know, going small really hurt uh, Kevin Willard in this case. It was a move that backfired. Uh, but Jared Roden, uh, you know, he kind of echoed the same sentiment as me um, in the post-game press conference. Um, here he is talking about, you know, how doing the little things wrong, like missing free throws, things like that, uh, cost Seton Hall this game in the final two minutes. Jared, I know this is a tough pill to swallow. I mean, it was a tight game all throughout, and Georgetown was just able to make enough plays down the stretch uh, to win the game. Um, 
when it comes to, I know you guys obviously left everything out there on the floor, uh, but do you think, you know, this really came down to, you know, you know, making little mistakes down the stretch that opened the door for them to win? Um, yeah, for sure. Uh, I feel like they made the winning plays they had to make and, um, they did what they had to do. You know, um, coach Pat's a great coach and they executed some things down the end of the stretch, which, um, ultimately led them to win. Appreciate it. So, the de facto championship game, the other semifinal last night, it was UConn against Creighton. And UConn coming out of the gates, they definitely looked like the team that a lot of people were pegging as the Big East tournament favorites. They went up 15-2 to early on, but Creighton, they stayed in the fight. And they eventually went on to take a four-point halftime lead. It was really neck and neck with both teams exchanging leads throughout the second half. But Creighton down five in the final six minutes of the ball game. They just did enough, you know, making several big plays, including a big three by Damian Jefferson that tied it at 53. And Creighton was just doing able to do enough at the very end of the ball game. And that included getting a little bit of luck as UConn missed, uh, I believe, two or three open looks at the game-tying three in the final seconds as Creighton escapes, taking down UConn 59-56. to And that's survival right there. And... You know, this was a classic Big East rock fight, and for Greg McDermott's squad, a team that prides itself on offense and is known for their offense, they win a defensive battle. Uh, here's what Max had to say uh, about the win. Just a, uh, a a gritty win by our team. Um, you know, people talk about our offense and how good our offense is, and, and, and it's just really hard to play offense against a team coached by Danny Hurley. They do such a great job of taking away your initial action. Uh, it's very hard to get things in transition uh, because they're so disciplined. And then they meet you at the rim on, on any penetration. So, you know, we had to win the game in other ways tonight, and that was on the defensive end uh, and then on the backboards. Uh, so, you know, for us to out-rebound a UConn team by 17, I think speaks to the, the grit and toughness that I have in that locker room as well. So let's take a look at your game stats first for the victors from Creighton. Guy who led the way, Damian Jefferson. Not a great shooting night. Four for 13 for the floor. One for four from three. But that one three came at a really opportune time to tie the game at 53 in the final around five minutes or so. 14 points, though. 12 rebounds. And those 12 rebounds made a difference because Creighton really rebounded the basketball well and they dominated a team that for most of this year have dominated other teams on the glass. Creighton wins the battle on the boards 50-33. to 33. Um, Marcus Zigorowski didn't really shoot the ball particularly well. Just 1 for 4 from 3, 6 for 14 from the floor, 13 points, 4 boards, 3 assists. Christian Bishop, 11 points, 7 rebounds, 5 for 7 from the floor. Mitch Ballack, 
another tough night for him. Three for 11 shooting, one for six from three, nine points on the night. Denzel Mahoney with only three points all from behind the arc. One for nine from the floor, one for three from distance, eight rebounds as well. Ryan Kalkbrenner played some big minutes, scoring four points, grabbing three rebounds in 13 minutes. Sharif Mitchell knocked down a three, but he did go down hurt during this game. And then Alex O'Connell chipped in two points off the bench in nine minutes and also grabbed eight rebounds. So the Duke transfer making a big difference on the glass. They didn't shoot the ball well, 37% from the field, 27.8% from three. And obviously they took a big hit uh, going down 15-2 to two early in the game. But Creighton, they didn't really seem to be all too phased by that. Um, here's what Damian Jefferson had to say about um, taking that early hit on the chin. DJ, I just want to affirm, I know UConn, you talked about you know wanting to shut down the notion that they were the favorites. By the way, I picked you guys before the tournament started, let me just say that. But U- UConn started off hot, 13-2 start. I mean, they went for a first-round knockout right there. So how were you guys just able to just collect yourselves, uh, get back up from that knockout punch, and come back the way that you did? Uh, we know that basketball is a game of runs. Uh, they had some good runs. We had some good runs, but they come down to key stops, man. And, and uh, I feel like we did a great job of stopping their main guy, which was James Booknight. Uh, we we kept him, we kept him to the to the pace we wanted him to be at, and um, uh, we did a good job with that. And, and obviously, we came out with the win. Appreciate it, DJ. So as for UConn, they got some pretty good contributions from James. James Booknight, 14 points, 8 rebounds, but he did struggle shooting the ball. 4 for 14 from the floor, 0 for 3 from behind the arc. So, not the best night for Booknight, but the Postmen had had really good games. Isaiah Whaley, 13 points, 7 boards, knocked down his only 3-point attempt, and went 4 for 8 from the floor. Believe it or not, did not have a blocked shot in this one. Adama Sinogo, the freshman, 13 points, 5 rebounds, 6 of 9 from the floor in 21 minutes. Uh, and then Tyrese Martin, rough night for him, 2 points, 6 boards, 1 of 7 from the floor, 0 for 2 from 3. RJ Cole, 5 points, 3 assists, 2 for 6 from the floor, 1 for 1 from 3. And, you know, he got a lot of contact in the second half. You know, Danny Hurley thought he got fouled, but the fall he took ended up cutting him open. So he missed some time because of that. Uh, Tyler Polly, five points, just one for five from three, and he ended up missing a wide-open look on a second opportunity that would have tied the game at 59 in the final seconds. Uh, Josh Carlton, only two points in four minutes. Jalen Gaffney, two points, all from the free-throw line in 20 minutes. And obviously, this is a heartbreaking loss for UConn, uh, you know, in the... Footage you saw after the game, you know, a lot of their players were visibly emotional, probably none more than R.J. Cole, uh, who had to be consoled by his head coach, Danny Hurley. I wish I had the opportunity to ask him, you know, what Danny said to him in that exchange. Uh, But now uh, let's hear from Danny Hurley as he discussed, you know, how gut-wrenching of a defeat this was. Yeah, obviously tough loss. Uh, Huge credit to Creighton. I think they're, you know, probably just experience in, uh, you know, in high leverage games like this in uh, in the postseason uh, showed itself, you know, last uh, you know last couple of minutes of a, a you know incredibly 
you know, hard fought game between, you know, two teams that, uh, you know, obviously we're, we're desperate to win this championship uh, here this week. And, uh, you know, two teams that um, obviously uh, you know, we have a chance to, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to play well next week and, and potentially beyond. So uh, credit, um, you know, obviously, you know, credit to Creighton. Obviously our guys are, uh, our guys are crushed. That was a, uh, that was a tough one. Um, obviously, had a had a great chance there, but you know, a little bit of like I think inexperience with the program, inexperience with the team in uh, in a postseason game like that, I think uh, showed up in, in some critical spots. So now the stage is set for the Big East Championship game, six thirty on Fox. Will it be Georgetown who will return to the Summit? With their 8th Big East Tournament title. Again, they haven't won one in nearly a decade and a half. Their last tournament title came in 2007. Uh, the year they made, they, fi- they made the Final Four with guys like Roy Hibber and Jeff Green. Meanwhile, for Creighton, in their 8th season in the conference, they have a chance now to win their first Big East Tournament title. They lost their last two championship game appearances in 14 with National and Big East Player of the Year, Doug McDermott. And in 2017, making it a bit of an improbable run to the title game as a six seed, uh, but losing to an extremely talented Villanova team that was the defending national champions at the time. Will the third time be the charm for Coach Mack and company? Or will Patrick Ewing bring Georgetown back? You know, this Georgetown team, again, they were picked to finish last in the preseason poll, and yet here they are in the championship game. Soundly beating Marquette. Winning a thriller against Villanova, their arch rivals. Beating Seton Hall and closing the game on a 9-1 to run. This team's going to be tired, I'll tell you that much. But do they have enough energy in them to claim the Big East Tournament title and essentially steal the Big East automatic bid, which could steal an at-large bid. And strangely enough, that at-large bid that they could steal would be Syracuse. They're longtime rivals and a team that Syracuse beat in the regular season back on January 9th. The last game Georgetown played before their COVID pause, before they figured stuff out. So it would be... Obviously, an incredible story if Georgetown wins the Big East Tournament title. You know, Patrick Ewing has obviously said that he owns Madison Square Garden, and he could prove that furthermore and put an exclamation point on that statement uh, with a win in this game. What's it going to take for Georgetown to beat Creighton? Obviously, it's going to be a matter of Creighton being heavily favored. Right now, at the time of recording, nine-point favorites over Georgetown. It's going to be, I'll tell you what, it's not going to be a decisive game in favor of Creighton. I'll tell you that right now. I'll tell you that right now. That is not what's going to happen. Here's what is going to happen. This is going to be a war defensively. Creighton knows how to win these rock fights now. Georgetown, on the other hand, other than the domination of Marquette, they've won two grinded-out type games against old Big East rivals. And now they face 
a rather new foe. Yes, they've had familiarity with them over the last eight years. But this is now the second time they're meeting in the Big East Tournament. Last time it was 2015. Creighton was a 10 seed. Georgetown was the 2 seed. So almost kind of in the same vicinity with the roles reversed now. With Georgetown being the heavy underdog. And Creighton being the favorite. And in that game, Georgetown again, they were a heavy favorite. I think they were favored by 7.5 roughly, I think. And Creighton pushed them to the limit. Georgetown only won by 5. And by the way, that was the last time we saw Georgetown in the NCAA tournament, 2015, when they made it as a four seed with a really good cast. You know, Devontae Smith, Rivera, Jabril Trawick, um, blanking on uh, one of their sixth men. And I know, I know, it's not Markel Starks, obviously. It'll come to me eventually, but and then of course, the six foot ten, three hundred pound animal. Joshua Smith in the middle at center. So who is this guy I'm thinking of? You know, after further review, it was Michael Hopkins. I cannot believe I blanked on that name. And then, of course, they had some really good young contributors on that squad, LJ Peak and Isaac Copeland. But, yeah, those... I can't believe I blanked on Michael Hopkins. Sorry, Georgetown fans, if I forgot about him. But if I'm breaking down Georgetown from a scouting report standpoint... Dante Harris playing like a grown man. And I don't blame Gus Johnson for seeing a lot of Allen Iverson in him. Mm -hmm. Different number, but there's a lot of Allen Iverson in him. I kind of see it now. Now, obviously the big difference has been Chudier Belay. Ever since his emergence in the starting lineup, Georgetown has won 9 of 13, including last night. And they got a chance to win their 10th in the last 14 games uh, to crack the tournament field. And I'll tell you what, I, 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 Georgetown might be like a 12 seed at best, like a 13 perhaps. But I, I really don't think they're going to get better than a 12 seed because, I mean, let's be real. This team has no business being in the NCAA tournament. And yet here they are, one game away from clinching an NCAA tournament bid. And... You know, honestly, the way the pride that Georgetown now ha- and the fan base now have in their program, it's kind of like what Seton Hall did back in 2016. But for Georgetown, this came much rather later rather than earlier. I mean, it's not like this Georgetown team was really good all year long. They needed a COVID pause to just take a deep breath and really figure out who they were and. Turns out they're a really damn good basketball team. Jamarco Pickett and Javon Blair have stepped up as the senior leaders of this squad. Dante Harris has emerged as a tremendous freshman point guard. He is going to be a problem in the future. And it's great that Patrick Ewing has found his point guard of the future this early. And the really funny thing was at the beginning of the season, everyone thought it would be Jalen Harris, the Arkansas transfer, who would be that starting point guard. But Dante has obviously overtaken him and has excelled in that starting point guard role, and I commend him so much for that. Obviously, I wish this was Seton Hall in Georgetown's position, but I obviously have to acknowledge how well Georgetown's been playing. And Aiden Curran, by the way, from Hilltop Hoops, former guest of mine, you know, I don't blame him for crying happy tears last night, just reaching the Big East Championship game, because who would have thought 
this is where Georgetown would be this year. Because look at what's happened the last five years, really. 2016, you know, they were picked to finish 7th in the conference, 2nd in the conference. They lose the opener to Radford. They fall apart in their non-conference schedule. They lose to Monmouth handily. I think they lost to, like, UNC Greensboro or... It was UNC Asheville, not Greensboro. Misspoke on that. Um, They did beat Syracuse. They ended up losing to Duke. They beat Wisconsin, though, which is kind of nuts. But they did lose uh, to Duke uh, during that stretch. And they also lost at Maryland. And then 2017... In 2016, by the way, also, they were 7-5 in conference. They lost their last six regular season games. 2017, they went on a five-game losing streak to end the regular season. Lost in the Big East Tournament first round to St. John's. 2018, it was a four-game losing streak to end the regular season, followed by a first-round loss again to St. John's. 2019, it looked like this Georgetown team might be for real. You know, they got a top-six seed in the Big East Tournament, finishing a four-way tie for third. They were 9-9 in conference. The future was looking bright with James Akinjo and Mac McClung. Yes, you were going to lose Jesse Govan. Tremendous big man in the middle for Georgetown uh, from 2015 to 19. Uh, but in the postseason, just wasn't meant to be. Seton Hall eviscerated them in the Big East quarterfinals. And then in the NIT, they lost to Harvard in the first round. And then last year, we all know what happened. Uh, James, McK- James Akinjo left early in the season. Uh, Josh LeBlanc and a couple other players were dismissed from the team uh, based on conduct off the court and then needed police involvement. And then, of course, at the end of the season, uh, Mac McClung uh, essentially issuing a backbreaker, uh, announcing his decision uh, to transfer to Texas Tech where he's blossomed. But yet, you know, and not to mention, Georgetown went on a six-game losing streak to end the regular season. They were up 10 with six and a half minutes to go against St. John's in the Big East Tournament last year, and they gave up a 23-0 run to lose the game. And yet, here they are, still standing, and now in the Big East Championship game. I, I think that's just nothing short of a remarkable turnaround on the Patrick, Patrick Ewing and his staff and his players, of course. So, kudos to Pat, you know, These are the right two teams that should be in the Big East Championship game. Yes, and that includes over UConn. Just look at the way Georgetown has played. Yes, they might have gotten a favorable draw, but it's tough to win three games in three nights. But it's going to be even more difficult to win that fourth in four nights. Because in Big East tournament history, only two teams have been able uh, to win at least four games in four days. The first being Syracuse in 2006, 15 years ago, and I still remember this like it was yesterday, with Jerry McNamara leading the way, putting his team on his back and leading the ninth-seeded Orange Mm -hmm. to the NCAA. (laughs) Bless me. I can't believe I caught that on air. Morning allergies, am I right? Uh, But anyways, G-Mac, you know, basically he put the Orange on his back and led the Orange to the NCAA tournament. And they were on going to be on the outside looking in, heading into the tournament. But G-Mac knocking down the game-winning three against Cincinnati, a runner from three, 
uh, that gave him a one-point win, and that beating top-ranked and top-seeded UConn in, this, in the quarterfinals. And, of course, the legendary rant on the part of Jim Beheim about his student newspaper's claims of Jerry McNamara being overrated according to some top assistants in the, assistant coaches in the league and Jim Beheim and I, again I'm directly quoting him he said it was the most bullshit thing he's ever heard at the time in his 30 year head coaching career and he even said if we didn't have Jerry we wouldn't have won and I quote 10 fucking games not 10 and I'll always remember that. And of course, his heroics against Georgetown in the semifinals. You know, they trailed pretty much all game. And then they took the lead in the final minute. Thanks to just a pretty bounce pass from him to Eric Devendorf. And I know for some Big East fans, hearing that name will give them PTSD. Trust me, when, when I was a Syracuse fan, I kind of hated Devendorf too. Uh, for some of the decisions he's made. And, and matter of fact, I even called him Devendork at times. Because as a teenager, I thought that was funny. And then the other one, of course, we all remember what happened 10 years ago. Cardiac, Kemba, and UConn. They won five games in five days en route to the Big East tournament title. They were going to be a tournament team anyways, but that elevated them to the number one, uh, a number three seed in the NCAA tournament and eventually the national championship ending the season on an 11-game win streak between the Big East and NCAA tournaments. Could we see something similar with Georgetown? It's so tough, man. Like, I'm tempted to pick Georgetown. I really, really am. You know, I was looking at this in my head. I'm like, yeah, I can see Georgetown winning this game by three in another rock fight. But on the other side, this Creighton team, I think they finally got their shit together uh, after putting the whole uh, Greg McDermott situation to bed uh, after he served that one-game suspension. Of course, uh, the team publicly addressing what happened um, through that video package that played at the CHI Health Center last week. And then Marcus Zagorowski also speaking up on Senior Day. I think it really helped, and I think that helped put that matter to bed. It just got them focusing on basketball again. And since then, they've looked really, really good. You know, they soundly beat Butler twice in a row by 20 and then by 31. And then they won a rock fight against UConn last night. That was an exhausting game. Now, how much is the fatigue from that game going to affect this group? You know, I don't know. I don't know. But I think Creighton's going to feel more refreshed than Georgetown will. Creighton, their third game in three days. Georgetown, their fourth in four days. What's going to be the keys? Obviously, it starts with dominating the glass. Georgetown is another really good rebounding team. If Creighton can win the rebounding battle, and that doesn't even mean them out-rebounding Georgetown 50-33 to like they did with UConn last night, but if they were to out-rebound Georgetown, that will help them immensely. And obviously, when it comes to free throws, that's going to be important too. Georgetown was 23-23 for 23 Thursday. They didn't shoot it as well yesterday, 18 for 25, and they did miss miss some uh, important free throws. But Georgetown has been shooting the the basketball really well from the free throw line as of late. Creighton's going to have to match that. They can't, obviously, it's impossible to ask them to be perfect. But they have to knock them down when it's timely. 
and that's really all you can really ask for. You know, in crunch time, you got to make those big free throws. Uh, whether that to be, you know, if it's a close game, you need to cut into the lead or extend the lead. You got to capitalize on those opportunities. I think defensively, if you're Creighton, the big key, I think, is going to have to make you're going to have to make Dante Harris uncomfortable and force him to turn the ball over. Seton Hall did that quite a bit, but they didn't do other things to help improve on the fact that they were able to force Dante Harris to turn it over, like missing free throws, um, not being able to score from three, and shoot it as well as Georgetown did at 50%. I think Creighton got their bad shooting night out of the way now. I think they're probably going to be in the in the middle between where they shot Thursday versus Friday. And given that, that should be enough for Creighton uh, to win the Big East Championship. Uh, For Georgetown to win it, obviously I feel like they're going to have to do a lot more. It starts with winning the battle on the boards and then getting the Dante Harris they've gotten the last three games. And even before that, I mean, he's been playing dominantly uh, throughout the last, it's crazy to think, Six weeks now since they returned from their COVID pause? Yeah. So, I think a lot of it depends on Dante Harris and his performance. If he plays well, Georgetown plays well. The same goes with Chudie Belay because his insertion into the starting lineup has helped catapult Georgetown from, frankly, a mediocre team to a team that's competitive. And actually pretty good. And obviously, senior leadership is going to be important as well. And it's going to go, it's going to be placed firmly on the shoulders of Pickett and Blair. Pickett has to continue to defend the way that he did against Mamu last night. Uh, But his defensive assignment this time is going to be Damian Jefferson. And this Georgetown team, man, they are playing not not just with confidence, but they're playing with swagger. Playing with a swagger that... Patrick Ewing's team at Georgetown back in the 80s were playing with. That's that's a big difference between cockiness and swagger. Cockiness, you're kind of out of control. Like, yeah, you're confident in what you're doing, but and, and cockiness is more associated with arrogance because it doesn't really have some sort of baseline or any justification. Georgetown is playing with swagger because... They're playing that damn good. And they have a right to be playing with Swagger and to be feeling that confident. Georgetown knows who they are as a team now. And they've been playing to their strengths. And playing as a team. And that's really what Patrick Ewing's been asking for out of his team all year long. That's what got him here to the Big East Championship game. And Creighton, they know who they are too. Let it fly is their mantra, and you bet your ass they're going to shoot from three when given the opportunity. Mitch Ballack obviously has not gotten his shot to fall the last couple of games. I wouldn't be shocked if he has kind of a big game where, you know, he's pulling up and knocking down threes right on right on the three-point line or if, if they're Ballack bombs, as Creighton fans referred to, to them as, where he's pulling up from 30 feet and just draining them. I wouldn't be shocked if he was doing that too. Uh, Damian Jefferson is by far their best all-around player. 
uh, because he does everything well. Rebounding, uh, scoring in the paint, even shooting threes. You know, he didn't really shoot the three well yesterday, but he did make that timely three, and that's, in the, in, you know, with five minutes to go. That's what seniors do. And this Creighton team has a lot of experience. They start two juniors and three seniors. Ryan Kalkbrenner plays more like an upperclassman than he does a freshman. And it shows. I mean, he's a seven-foot freshman who is a great finisher at the rim. He can dunk it or he can literally just drop it in the basket. Easy. And he does a great job creating position as well. Uh down low to score, and then, of course, to rebound. And, you know, getting contributions from a guy like Alex O'Connell, that was huge. Obviously, he only scored two points, but the difference he made was on the glass. Eight rebounds out of the guard position is not easy to do. And he rebounded like a grown man last night. If Mac can get that kind of contribution out of O'Connell and even getting that kind of rebounding out of, you know, some of the other guards off the bench, Sharif Mitchell, if he's good to go, and Antoine Jones, Creighton's going to be in good hands. So ultimately, what's my game prediction? I know I've literally been tiptoeing around this, but I think this game really needed an in-depth breakdown because, frankly, I'm torn. I don't know picking between Georgetown and Creighton. Creighton was my... Picked to win the Big East tournament before the tournament started. And strangely, I didn't have Georgetown advancing past the first round. I had Marquette beating them. But, and I know I picked against Georgetown all three rounds, so will I learn my lesson and pick them this time? Or will I trust my gut instinct from before the tournament started and stick with Creighton? You know, it's like picking... You know, picking a flower out of the meadow and then pulling, you know, the petals off the flower and saying, you know, he loves me. He loves me not. In this case, I'm going Georgetown, Creighton, Georgetown, Creighton. It's crazy that for me, this is that much of a toss up. Because I've doubted Georgetown the entire tournament. I've picked against them three times in a row. I've paid three times in a row. And last night, I picked UConn to beat Creighton, even though I picked Creighton to win the whole Big East tournament. Just the way that the quarterfinals went, I thought UConn was the most dominant team left. I thought UConn would beat Creighton, and I I, I was not really surprised that it ended up being a one-possession game. I, I had UConn by two, it ended up Creighton by three. So the margin, I was right in the ballpark. Uh, I was a little more off on the Georgetown Seen Hall game. I seen Hall winning by four, Georgetown and winning by eight. So I'm gonna make a make my prediction here, and I'm hoping I'm gonna go with the margin as well. It's gonna be a four point game that Creighton is gonna win. Now, who shall make the Big East tournament team? I'm gonna make some early predictions. Uh in terms of the teams that are not in the championship game. I think the first and obvious pick for all Big East tournament team is Jared Roden from Seton Hall. That much is clear. I, I think that is clear as day obvious. So my first pick, Jared Roden from Seton Hall. And usually it's two from the losing side of the Big East championship game and two from the winning side. Now, 
On UConn's side, there aren't really that many impressive numbers in terms of that points that were put up. Uh, but if I were to give a nomination for all Big East tournament team from UConn, I would give it to Adama Sanogo, the freshman. So, that will be... So, that's, that's the first two. So, who will make it from Georgetown? I think, first and foremost... Kudus Wahab. You know, unless he has a really bad game tonight, he has put up double digits in each of the first three games here in this Big East tournament. I mean, 10 was his low last night, but credit him. You know, he's been playing consistently well here in this tournament. I think if I were to give a second nomination, and again, this is kind of tricky because, you know, there are a lot of names I could pick. But probably the one that sticks out the most would be Dante Harris. You know, right now he's averaging 12 points a game in this tournament. If he has a big game today, win or lose, he will definitely cement himself on the all Big East tournament team. I mean, look at his heroics against Villanova and Seton Hall and his ability to knock down big shots. I was also really tempted to pick actually Javon Blair's right up there too. I mean, through his first three games in this tournament, he's averaging fourteen point three points. So I guess Javon Blair might be the better option, but again it all depends on who plays well and who doesn't tonight? And I think the two nominees for uh, Creighton, who should be all Big East tournament team, I think the first of which is going to be Marcus Zigorowski. I mean, he played really well against Butler in the quarterfinals. 13 in the semis against UConn. And I, I think the second one, I think if he performs well again tonight, it'll be Damian Jefferson. And then, in the end, who will be the most outstanding player in the Big East tournament? That's a good question. You know, like, the Dave Gavitt trophy, it doesn't go to any Joe Schmo. So, who do I think will be most deserving In the end, I think it will be Marcus Zigorowski, who is the preseason player of the year, who gets most outstanding player. I think he will have the best performance tonight. Um, when it comes to a stage like this, you know, you want your preseason player of the year, your preeminent star, to put on his best performance. And I think that's what Creighton is going to do um, and what they're going to get out of Zigorowski tonight. And uh, my final score tonight... I am going with, again, Creighton by four, final score, 71 to 67. I think we're going to get a lot of points on the board early on, but then it will turn into a rock fight uh, towards the end. And I think Georgetown will lead at the break, but I think in the second half, I think you're going to see 
uh, Georgetown just run out of gas. Uh, I mean, I, I love and respect this Georgetown team for what they've done in this tournament. I love the way Patrick Ewing has turned around this Georgetown team at his alma mater. I think that makes it even more special. But I just think Creighton is going to prove to be just too much. And they will win the Big East Championship for the first time in program history. Uh, again, my final score prediction, uh, 71-67. to 67. So, that is how I'm going to wrap up this episode of the Igloo. Uh, day 7 of the, of the March Marathon here on the Igloo. Um, I'll tell you, this is going to be an incredible Big East Championship game. Uh, Gus and Jim Jackson on the call. Uh, it's going to be a really good ball game. And when, and if you know Gus Johnson and you know his reputation historically, he historically loves to get these really tight one possession games in this month of the year. And that's where Gus comes out as his best. You know, we're going to hear a couple Ric Flair woos out of him and a lot of catchphrases. Believe me that much. And we're going to get a hell of a ball game tonight. Because that's what the Big East Championship game is all about. You know, since realignment, there really have only been, I think, two instances where it was really a one-sided affair. 2015 with Villanova beating Xavier by 17. And then in 2017 uh, with Villanova winning the Big East title over Creighton rather easily. Um, 2014, 16, 18, 19, and I'm sure it would have happened in 20 as well. Biggest championship game was just incredible. A grinded out game between two teams on the same level, talent-wise. I think you can make the argument, obviously Creighton's extremely more talented, but with the way they've been playing, I think they're true equals in in that sense. And you know, Georgetown, their strength is down low. Creighton is obviously on the wings with their ability to shoot from the perimeter. And they're not a big team. Uh Brenner being like the rare exception, but I mean, their starting center, Chris Bishop, 6-7. So it's going to be a matchup between two contrasting styles of play. And I think it will be Coach Mack and his let it fly philosophy that will prevail here tonight. So, enjoy the Big East Championship game tonight. I know I will be. And uh, be on the lookout. I will have uh, coverage um, of the press conferences post-game. Obviously, Coach Ewing and Coach McDermott will both speak. But uh, I'm not really sure which players are going to be up there as well. Um, So, uh, just be on the lookout for that in terms of, you know, updating you guys on Twitter, uh, who will be speaking at the podium after the Big East Championship game concludes. For Creighton, they know they're in, but they got a lot of pride in having the chance to win their first Big East tournament title in program history. They were the regular season champs a year ago, and last year, uh, they their road to the Big East Championship was cut short. Uh, I mean, granted, it was going to be tough to navigate it without their, their sharpshooter, Marcus Zigorowski, obviously touchdown Alexander was their star that year. But navigating this without their point guard, Zigorowski, would have been immensely difficult. And their season was cut short at halftime of last year's Big East tournament, as you remember, a year ago yesterday. 
against St. John's. So the storyline is obviously there for Creighton to have their season end the way that it did last year uh, to redeem themselves and win the Big East Tournament. As for Georgetown, it's pretty simple. You win and you're in. If you lose, your season's pretty much over because with a 12-13 and 13 record with a loss, there's pretty much no way to make it in the NCAA Tournament. So there's a lot at stake and a lot of storylines here tonight, and that just makes this game all the more compelling to watch. And I know I'll be watching, even though Seton Hall's not in it, trust me, I'll be watching very intently here tonight. Uh, so thank you for tuning in. Uh, again, make sure to watch the Big East Championship game here tonight, 6.30 on Fox with pregame coverage uh, starting at 6. Uh, with You know, that, that tremendous studio crew, Rob Stone, Steve Lavin, Donnie Marshall, I mean, they're the best in the biz for a reason. Uh, Fox in the Big East, literally like a match made in heaven, kind of like the old Big East and ESPN were a match made in heaven back in the 1980s. So thanks for tuning in again. Uh, be on the lookout for post-game coverage uh, following the championship game. And then, of course, uh, Selection Sunday, I'll have my recap of the championship game as well as a look ahead uh, to... Selection Sunday and what the bracket will look like in terms of obviously we know at least three teams from the Biggies will get in. Can Georgetown possibly crack the field as the fourth with that automatic bid out of the Big East? Tonight we'll find out. Thanks for tuning in and I'll catch y'all very soon uh, tomorrow for sure and again be on the lookout for postgame coverage uh, coming from uh, tonight's Big East Championship game.